The Clock Strikes Thirteen by Mildred A. Wirt Benson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Cheryl Adams, Skowhegan, Maine, 2015. Chapter 16 A Familiar Name. The melon you have selected is a very good one the market man declared, not understanding the significance of Penny's remark. Shall I put it in a sack for you? I'm not interested in the melon, only in the stamp, Penny replied. Do you realize that you may be liable for arrest? What do you mean, liable to arrest? the man demanded. I'm an honest dealer. I have a license. Look at these melons. Penny held one up, which bore the blurred stamp. The trade name has been altered. The dealer took the cantaloupe from her, examining it briefly. She then offered him the single melon bearing the Davis stamp. "'Well, what about it?' he asked. "'Just this. A few nights ago, a truckload of melons similar to these was stolen from the Davis farm near Riverview. The thief was trailed right to this city.' "'You're trying to say that I sell stolen melons?' "'I'm not making any direct accusations,' Penny replied evenly. No doubt you can explain where you got the melons. Certainly I can. I bought a truckload of them from a farmer named John Toby. The melons were good, priced cheap, and I didn't pay any attention to the stamp. Is Mr. Toby a regular dealer? I buy from him now and then, when his prices are right. I never bothered to ask any questions. Where does that man live? I can't tell you that. He's a large, heavy-set fellow with brown hair and eyes. The description was too meager to be of value to Penny. Does Mr. Toby drive a red truck? She inquired thoughtfully. He did this last time. It was a red truck which was stolen from the Davis farm, Penny said quietly. I'm sure these melons came from there, too. I paid good money for them, the dealer retorted in a defiant tone. So far as I knew... They belong to this fellow Toby. I can't investigate every farmer who offers me produce. All the same, you could get into serious trouble for selling stolen melons, Penny replied. Of course, I have no intention of going to the police, providing you are willing to cooperate. What do you mean, cooperate? The dealer asked suspiciously. Only this. Will you see John Toby again? That's hard to tell. He said he might bring in another load of melons within the next few days. When you receive the next shipment, will you notify me? Yes, I'm, I'm willing to do that, the dealer promised. If Toby's crooked, I want to know it myself. Petty gave the man her name, address, and telephone number. Knowing that he might not be able to reach her quickly enough, she instructed him to detain the farmer by force if necessary. If I can't get in touch with you, I may have the fellow questioned by the police, the dealer offered. I don't want to put myself into a hole. Penny was not entirely satisfied that the market man would keep his promise. However, she hesitated to make a report to the police without first consulting her father. Everything considered, it seemed best to let the situation work out as it would. Well, your luck is still running true to form, Louise said jokingly as the girls drove towards Riverview. Do you have any idea who John Toby may be? Not the slightest, Penny confessed. 
The description would fit Hank Holloway, or for that matter, any one of a dozen men I know. The girls arrived in Riverview by mid-afternoon after an uneventful trip. Penny dropped Louise at the Sedell home and then went to the Star office to talk with her father. Mr. Parker was absent from his desk, but his secretary, who was typing letters, explained that he would return in a moment. Penny sat down in her father's chair to wait. A bulky, unsealed envelope lay on the desk. Peering at it curiously, she noted that it bore the marking, Property Deed, Lots 456, 457, and 458. What's this? she asked aloud. Is Dad buying property? Oh, no, the secretary replied, glancing up from her typewriter. That's the deed and the abstract for the orphan's campsite. I wonder which property it is. The land Mr. Blake controls, I believe. At least he brought the papers into the office this morning for your father's inspection. I heard him say that if the forms are satisfactory, the deal will be completed at once. Penny unfolded one of the lengthy documents, shaking her head as she scanned the legal terms. I don't see how Dad makes anything of this, she said. Such a mess of words and names. I imagine Mr. Parker intends to turn it over to his lawyer, the secretary smiled. The editor entered the office at that moment, and Penny directed her next question to him. Dad, is it all settled that the camp board will purchase Mr. Blake's land? Practically so, he answered. If my lawyer, Mr. Adams, approves the abstract, the deal will be completed. Against my advice, Mrs. Van Cleve has already given Blake $500 to hold an option. Why did she do that, Dad? Well, Blake convinced her that he had another buyer for the property. It's the old story. Competition stimulates interest. Do the papers seem to be all right? Oh, I've not looked at them, Mr. Parker replied. Blake is a really good real estate man, though, so there's not likely to be any flaw. Who actually owns the property, Dad? It's there on the abstract, he answered. Why not look it up for yourself? Too much like doing homework, Penny grinned, but she spread the document on the desk and began to read various names aloud. Anna and Harry Clark to Lydia Goldwine, Lydia Goldwine to Benjamin Bowman. What was that name? Mr. Parker demanded sharply. Benjamin Bowman. Penny peered at the document a second time to make certain she had made no mistake. That's the truth, Dad. Who knows? Maybe it's your old pal, Ben. Are you making up that name? Mr. Parker asked skeptically. Penny thrust the abstract into his hand. Here, read it for yourself, Dad. Bowman seems to be the present owner of the land. Mr. Parker rapidly scanned the document. The land is held by a Benjamin Bowman, he admitted, frowning. A strange coincidence? I never heard of a Bowman family living near Riverview, Penny remarked, reaching for a telephone book. Did you? No, but Bowman is a fairly common name. Turning to the B section, Penny went through the telephone list. There's only one Bowman here, she said, penciling a circle around the name. A Mrs. Maud Bowman. The name Maud Bowman doesn't appear on the abstract, Mr. Parker declared as he studied the document once more. There's something funny about this. Mr. Blake seemed rather eager to dispose of the land, didn't he? 
His price was a bit low, which surprised me, Mr. Parker said, thinking aloud. Probably everything can be explained satisfactorily. Then why not ask Mr. Blake to do it, Penny proposed. He should be able to tell you something about his client. That's a real first-class idea, Mr. Parker agreed, and he reached for a telephone. I'll ask Mr. Blake to come here at once. End of chapter 16